The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Our reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man, and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And you are not concerned with anyone's opinion, for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. Then they handed him the Roman coin. He said to them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. At that he said to them, then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. A few blocks from the Illinois State Capitol in Springfield, Illinois, sits the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception, the Catholic Cathedral for the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. It's a beautiful church. It's newly refurbished. And I would encourage anyone, if you're ever in Springfield or visiting or passing through, to stop by and see it. It's absolutely marvelous. And one of the more striking images and things in there is the stained glass. As you walk in, on one side of the church, there are these beautiful stained glass windows, huge stained glass windows, depicting, as most churches have in their stained glass, especially, you know, older churches, images of the saints. I mean, it's the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception, so there's, you know, a beautiful one of the Blessed Virgin Mary. On the other side, however, there are quite evocative and striking uh, stained glass windows that depict, more or less, the history of Catholicism in civic life. And there's one window in particular that's quite remarkable. It's a, it's, a, it's a stained glass window, floor to ceiling, huge window of a bishop meeting with Abraham Lincoln and an enormous American flag in the foreground. This is, a, in, in one image, kind of the, the challenge of today's gospel. How do we as church, how do we as Catholics engage the world? And throughout history, it's been different. It's been changing. It's been a challenge. In the earliest church, our brothers and sisters in Christ were in many cases put to death for their faith. They were labeled as enemies of the state, as subversive for their Christian faith. And then it switched. Christianity became the norm in Europe. And perhaps there was too close of a relationship between the church and the secular state. Excuse me. And today, we are in a state where it is perhaps almost second nature to think of ourselves as Americans and Catholics. But I think of my great-grandparents, or my great-great-grandparents, I'm not exactly sure, those who came over from Ireland. When they got to the United States as both Irish and Catholics, they were treated as the lowest class. 
They lived more or less in ghettos. They worked difficult and menial jobs, often as children. And yet, as they began to integrate more and more into American life, there was always this kind of acquiescence and accommodation to be both Catholic and an American. And there was always this tension between the two. And eventually, a Catholic, John F. Kennedy, was elected President of the United States. And for many, especially Irish Catholics, this was labeled as the moment when Catholics finally arrived on the political spectrum. And yet things continue to evolve and change. And we live in a time when pretty much every statistic or survey or anything you look at, where our country is becoming more and more isolated from each other. The political spectrum is hardening and moving to the fringes. And unfortunately, this also affects the church. Whereas in my grandparents and great-grandparents, they would have almost lived in kind of a Catholic ghetto where they wouldn't have necessarily even known as children anyone who wasn't a member of their parish or a Catholic. We live in a culture in which it is becoming less and less relevant what we believe. And in fact, we often impose our political beliefs onto what we believe as people of God, as people of faith. If I were to label, if I were to identify several hot-button issues, it'd be interesting to know whether we look at it first and foremost from a Christian perspective or from a political perspective, or if we've never actually asked that question. Because when we start to ask that question and we look at this divisive and dividing country, we start to realize that there isn't really a pleasant home, a perfect home for a Catholic in the political or the public life. So, for instance, an issue that has been a hot-button issue pretty much for most of this year is what do we do about immigration and refugees? This is not an easy question, and oftentimes we want to come forward with the thing that we know the best, the thing that we talk about the most, the thing that's in the papers. But if we look into our Catholic tradition, it becomes harder to say that one particular party or politician has it right. We can know when things are wrong, but it's hard to say that's, that's the best way forward, given our political climate. We're so divided. And so what are we to do? What are we to do? Well, if we turn to our Catholic tradition, there's this wonderful man by the name of St. Thomas Aquinas. And in his Summa Theologiae, he writes about this particular question. Now, before we get any further, St. Thomas, his family was affected deeply by this divide or this challenge to be both Catholic and in the political world. His family was a noble family. His brothers were fighting for property, were going to war for this. And so St. Thomas had this personally affect his life, his family life growing up. And St. Thomas first of all tells us one thing, that in the practice of religion versus what he would call piety, and this is the ancient Roman understanding of piety, which has to do with duty to one's family or country, he says that goods cannot oppose one another. So to be a Catholic and to be pious or to be involved in the political world are actually both good things when done properly. And so oftentimes this tension that exists, am I a Catholic or am I an American, melts away or is an imposed, a falsely imposed dichotomy. That to be Catholic and American, to be Catholic in whatever country we're from, that is actually something that works together. The second thing that Thomas tells us is that our piety, our duty to country, is to an individual, not to the state necessarily. 
So if I want to be a patriotic and Catholic American, I need to love you. And you need to love me. That's how we make this country and a world a better place, is by giving to each other what we owe one another. And this is the last point that Thomas makes, is that justice is first and foremost something that comes from God. If we want social justice, social justice must conform to divine justice, where each is given an equal, or each is given in accord to his or her creation, to his or her value according to God. And so, okay, great, wonderful. This is a great little thing into Thomas Aquinas. What are we to do? How can we go about doing that? Well, St. Paul shows us very clearly today. When he's writing to the Thessalonians, what does he say? I'm praying for you. I love you. And so, even if we don't like a particular politician or we don't like a particular party, we need to pray for them. We need to love them, even if they're doing things that we, we think are horrible and we totally disagree with. We don't necessarily need to like them, but we need to pray for them and pray for their conversion, if need be. And we also need to recognize what the prophet Isaiah tells us in the first reading, is that sometimes, remember Cyrus, uh, what does it say? Isaiah says, to my anointed Cyrus. Cyrus is a pagan who has enslaved the Jews, and he is the anointed of God. He's the one doing God's will. God works through broken instruments. This is the story of our own sinfulness and redemption. That I am broken and yet God heals me and somehow does some good even though I'm broken. And if I can see that in myself, I should be able and try to see that in other people. To magnify the things upon which I agree. To magnify upon the things which are good for all. To challenge where it needs to be challenged but to recognize that God works through broken instruments. We are all called to be active participants, to render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but to recognize that all of this is first and foremost a gift from God. And God desires for each of us to be the change, to enact the change we want to see in the world, in our families, in our friendships, and in our small communities. Jesus came into this world so that we might have life and have it in abundance. May we be men and women of faith, men and women who love God, love each other, and build up this country and any country for the greater glory of God, but also for the well-being of each and every person we encounter.